enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Talkcast. Your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. This is Temple of Geek Talkcast, episode 12, Disney Strikes Back. Tonight I'll be your host. My name is Stacy. On this episode, we will discuss the major Star Wars announcements that Disney has uh, recently revealed in the last week. Joining me tonight on this panel from the Temple of Geek, we have Allison and Daniel. Daniel. Hey! So a small group tonight, but I think we're all very passionate about Star Wars, so I think we we should have no problem filling in the time. Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. We'll see. So... So any opening any opening remarks, Allison and Daniel, that y'all want to talk about? Any passionate about, about Star Wars? Oh, God, I love Star Wars. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I really love it. <laughs> yeah, I think we're even all in our festive Star Wars gear tonight, too, even though you can't see it. Um, but, uh, Literally. So this first, yeah, this first segment, uh, let's talk about Rogue One and some of the Episode Eight announcements uh, that, were, that were recently released. So uh, what kind of speculation do you guys have about this new movie? They haven't released a whole lot of details. So, I mean, there's not even much in the way of details as far as Episode 7. So most of this will be speculation. I think we should first talk about is what we do know so far about it. Yeah. So we know that um, we have the dates officially, and we actually have that on our website and on our Twitter. And then we also have um, very little bits and pieces about what is Rogue One. So right now all we know is, it will be starring um, Felicity Jones, who is in The Theory of Everything. Um, and that's really the major piece of information that we have. Uh, Rogue One is probably a reference to the Rogue Squadron um, that was the pilots of the, uh, the X-Wings in uh, Episode 4. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, and so that's pretty much it. That's, that's pretty much what we've got. So what do you guys think? Where do you think that they're going to take this, this uh, Rogue? I mean, there's so much story. You know, with the EU being kind of cast aside as being now legendary canon, there's so many different directions they can take that. Well, I was kind of hoping, when I first heard the, the title Rogue One, I instantly thought, oh, man, Rogue Squadron, man, this is going to be freaking awesome. We're going to see we're going to see Wedge and Tilly's, and we're going to see the entire Rogue Squadron um, on screen. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I, I think it's probably, I don't know, is it? To me, this is starting to sound like it might be set closer to Episode 7, maybe in that timeline. Um, probably not going to be during the during the original trilogy. I, it, and it also sounds like it, it start, it's starring Felicity Jones, correct? Yes. She will be the leading character. At least that's what um, rumors seem to be indicating. So when I heard that, I instantly thought of, what was it, Rogue? Rogue? Oh, what was that fan film that was made? Rogue, uh, Pink Rogue? Pink, Pink Five. That's it. I instantly thought that I was like, okay, is this going to be like a, a comedy version of Star Wars? Are they going to go that route? I don't, I don't think they would ever do that, but that would be kind of funny. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so you know, th- those are the things I was thinking of. I mean, it, it would be cool if it was a Rogue Squadron movie, but I, I don't think it's going to be that. I'm thinking it's going to be well. At least what I'm hoping is they go sort of a uh, band of brothers on the Star Wars universe and take that close-knit group of X-Wing fighters and really expand on, like, 
the the atmosphere and what it's like to be in the middle of all these wars going on that are raging through their universe. And it'd be nice to see some really interesting character backgrounds and different planets and things that we've never really heard of before from other parts of the universe. We definitely know about Coruscant and Tatooine and Naboo and uh, among the many other planets, but really be cool to see other things. And now we also know about Lothal from um, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the the Rebels uh, cartoon, which we, we can talk about, we'll talk about later, um, kind of bridges the gap between the themes from maybe even the prequels, then the the the, the theme of the of the original trilogy, because they kind of have different tones. Uh, even even the new uh, Rebels cartoon has gotten pretty dark, and and a Band of Brothers type Rogue One or you know, episode or or standalone movie. That just seems like, I mean, I would, I would love that to be the case. I would love to have kind of a serious, um, ensemble type movie where you've got this group of, of warriors who has, you know, been, been in the trenches together and, and, you know, you have these different personalities and you see them going and going to battle and they, uh, you know, just dynamics between all of them. I just don't know. It's hard to picture because that's so, it seems like it's such a different direction to take the Star Wars universe in than what the previous movies have been. So, I mean, I, I'd love to see it. It just seems like it's a completely different direction. I'm going to disagree with you on there. I think actually it would be even more fitting because isn't that kind of what the essence of the original trilogy was? You have a group of people who are traveling through space together. And that's kind of what, what I, at least I'm hoping would be with this sort of squad. Yes, they're all in like a military aspect, but they are thrown together and they're, traversing and they all have very distinct personalities they do the same thing in star wars rebels and that's why i think that show really does a good job at um taking the original uh trilogy and putting it into the tv format so i think you know doing something i mean yes it will be darker which i would love to see but having that sort of aspect would it would flow really nicely in a format that we're already very familiar with yeah, I guess so. Only recently, though, because like I said, uh, the uh, I mean, only from the Rebels, because I, I would say the prequels had none of that, really. The prequels had none of that that uh, ensemble type atmosphere where you've got this group of, of, of uh, this group of characters that you had Anakin and you had and you had Anakin. That was that was kind <laughs> of it. And. And, you know, and we don't have to get into the prequels or anything right now. Just, just talking about the, the themes. I think you're, I think you're right. In fact, I think Rebels did that better than even the original trilogy did. Rebels has a better, a better idea of what that ensemble type, different personalities working together, kind of like what a Band of Brothers type, Seven Samurai type uh, atmosphere might be. So I think, I think you're right. I, I would have to, I would agree with you that I think it's a, it's a different direction, but I think it flows very well with it. Um, it goes well with this rebels and this kind of uh, environment that they're building, that the tone that they're building with that. So maybe, maybe that's the case. Originally, I had heard that this was going to be kind of like a heist movie, though. Isn't that what? Isn't that what you guys heard? Or have have you read anything about that? That this was going to be more of a heist movie? I have. I've heard rumors of a heist film, but I can't tell if that's tied to this movie or not. Yeah, I always thought the heist film was going to be like the Bounty Hunter film. That's what I heard, too. That's supposed to be with uh, Boba Fett, maybe. Yeah, but I thought that was going to be the first standalone, but I, that, I could have been wrong with, about that as well. 
They're they just change so much. plans so quickly. Yeah. And that seems to be the tendency that Disney's been going through, especially, I mean, you saw what happened with the announcement about Spider-Man. They immediately pushed back a bunch of films just to make space for it. Maybe they were afraid they weren't going to be able to get Felicity Jones for the Rogue One film, so they were going to hold back on the film, and now things are changing. Yeah, that's very possible, too. Okay, well... Well, I think we already got a piece of information on what the film possibly could be. I mean, the Rogue Squadron in the movies, they were always, they always had call signs. You know, in the first uh, episode, or what do you want to call it, episode four, Luke went by Red, Red 5, and then later they took on the name Rogue. So Rogue One could actually be the call sign for the leader of the group. So, I mean, this could be an actual, maybe a story of that character. Well, then it should have been called Red Leader, Rogue Leader, no? I'm just trying to look, read into things. <laughs> I think that's what we're all doing. I think that's yeah. kind of the fun of Star Wars. There's so much you can like make up, and that's why you know people made the extended universe because we're dying for information. Oh yeah, and I loved I loved the expan- that whole the expanded universe was all that kept us going. You know, when when the we just thought there was never going to be a prequel or never going to be any more Star Wars movies. You know, um, I couldn't read enough, and and I got to a point where even those books. If you kept up with those books, they kept recycling the stories. They kept recycling the 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 ideas, and it got to the point where you were literally just rereading the original trilogy with different names attached to the to the characters. You know, you'd have a new a new savior of the galaxy. You had a new fallen Jedi or you know Sith. They were they never really built the universe, or they they didn't do a great job of it. Uh, and I think that's why it's, I think it's really good. They're kind of setting that to the side and, and, uh, I think they've got a lot of good minds on this. So I'm hopeful of this movie. Um, I, I really believe I'm back to being a, a kid in a candy store. Every, every little tidbit that comes out about Star Wars, I'm thoroughly excited about and, uh, I, I look at it all positively and I, I can't wait till it comes out. Just a side note, did y'all see the artwork that was like drawn or that's been going on the internet for this? that they usually associate with this uh, Rogue One. Just as uh, an X-Wing, right? Yeah, it's like, the, it's like the pilot holding the helmet and there's X-Wings behind him. When I see this picture, every time I see it, I see Dustin Hoffman in the picture. <laughs> well, I love Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> no, it'd be fun to see in the Star Wars universe. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Instead of all the President's men, we can have all the Emperor's men. <laughs> that, that was a good plug as well. Yes, we this is we we at Temple of Geek are highbrow. I just want you all to know that. So. <laughs> Very highbrow. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this being the first official spinoff, and the reason why I say official is because you know back in the eighties we had the wonderful Ewok films that were on the uh, ABC channel, Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor. Fine. <laughs> Great. None of they it wasn't as bad. As as the Christmas special. Oh my God! You, I can't believe you mentioned it. Oh. Okay. Oh, we have to talk so. about that once in a while. I need to mail you all a copy of it. I have a nice copy of the holiday special. Oh, I, I hope. I, I really don't need it. to see it again. <laughs> really. I think every fan needs to have watched it. I don't think you you if you like it, then that should just be how you profile people. But if you if you haven't it's messed up, Stacey. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's messed up, man. I actually like it. Oh, get out of here. There's no way, man. How can you I have... get moved by B. Arthur when she sings Closing Down That Bar. I'm telling you, there it's are like, parts man. that are golden. There are parts in it that are golden. And you get to see Boba Fett for the first time. But the parts like where you don't even know if that, you know, which of the Wookiees are males or females. 
you don't know, but but you know all of them are grown men dressed as Wookies. Um, the best part, though, is the 20 minutes of... <laughs> or, or, like, where they put the guy in the, in the... He's basically watching, like, a virtual reality woman singing, like, singing directly to him, I guess. And it's yeah, it's like of, virtual porn. Yeah, it's virtual porn. <laughs> what? How many drugs were done in the 80s? This is amazing. So, oh, yeah, it was bad. So, anyway. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so, yes. Um, the, the Ewok movies were definitely not quite as bad as that, but you know what? Where it's come from to this point, I'm just glad it's still here. Glad we're getting episode seven and eight. And and uh, I guess while we're at it, uh, we talked about eight, and there's a lot of information that's come out about episode seven, and we're getting closer to at least a release of an actual trailer. <laughs> what do you guys oh, think about that little tease as a trailer? That oh yeah, we... all the information you needed because I I feel very satisfied by just the little <laughs> cuts and most of the film the trailer being black. Yeah, <laughs> like black uh... screen everywhere. <laughs> I'm telling you, with with this year already being what quarter of the year gone already. Yeah, um, we're getting very close to a trailer, and I I would not doubt. That with the Avengers coming out in May, that Disney would uh, would uh, attach that trailer to Avengers. That's what I was thinking. I, was I thinking don't know if it's going to be in thing. that. I bet it'll be released online first. You think this so? Campaign, this campaign has mostly been online based. I think that would be really smart. Well, from a marketing standpoint, I think that would be a better move for them because look at how many hits the the Force Awakens got in online compared to like all the people going to theaters just to see the trailer. I yeah. think it would be better for them um, in a, to develop a relationship with the fans for them to just release it online first. But, you know, they it's all about the revenue. Yeah, I mean, just think think of the powerhouse it would be of Disney just to be like, all right, here here's the Avengers, but we're also going to show you another property we own. Yeah. That you know we own. <laughs> princess Leia is a Disney princess now. <laughs> That's right. She is the <laughs> Disney princess. <laughs> It's, I never thought that you'd see the day, but I'm I'm just glad that we do. Oh, I made me so happy when they made this, uh, they made Princess Leia a princess. I was like, yes! <laughs> I knew my worlds would combine. Go childhood! Oh wait, this is official. Like she's oh yeah, Disney I mean, she's owned by Disney, so and she is a princess. So by default, she is a Disney princess. She, by technically, she's one of the she's one of the few actual princesses okay. under Disney. Hey, that is true. I know this is I know this is veering off from the podcast topics just a little bit, but I want to take just five minutes discussing this. How is Princess Leia actually a princess? Her mother was a queen, yes, for like a year, and then she became a senator for the rest of the films, and then she got put into an adopted family, which. I don't know what a bell is. Okay. Is that his first name? Is that a title? I mean, House of Oga- um, the House of Organa are the royal ruling family of Alderaan. So she's a princess, though through adoption. That was my next part. She's adopted. So I mean, but she didn't know that. Royal by she blood. didn't know that. No one knew except for the or- for the Organa. So technically, to everybody, including Leia, she is a princess. It's part facade, but she if. You know, the or- something did happen to the Organas, and the planet was still around. Leia would be the reigning queen. She's, she's princess of the rubble. 
Yeah, she's Princess of the Rebels, and she's Princess of the of Alderaan. May it rest in peace. Yeah, no, that's what I meant. She's Princess Too of uh, Rubble. <laughs> Too soon. Like, just, just the rocks that are left. She's just Princess of that. And I think it's interesting, uh, Daniel, that, that you say that because... Once it all comes out that that Luke and Leia are brother and sister, nobody really they don't they don't really even think about it anymore. That wait a second, I thought Bale was your dad. Where is okay? Never whatever you know. There nobody's really thinking trying to put her family tree together. They're like, oh yeah, she's like my father. And by the way, Darth I Vader, you. whatever you know. I just there were a couple of things that they did plot wise that didn't really work with. Princess Leia and her character development, she was kind of just there to be a leader of the Rebel Alliance and Luke's sister. They never really fleshed her out in a sense in that way. Luke obviously had like the whole story. Han didn't even get too much of a backstory. It was mostly just Luke's story. So it would be nice to see sort of more about Leia and that maybe that aspect, but I don't think we're ever going to get that. I think it's too much. Unless, and this is what I think is going to happen in future seasons of Star Wars Rebels, they introduce Princess Leia in the show. She has to get involved with the Rebels somehow. I think that you'll see her as like a, you'll see her as maybe a, a, a vision or some sort of like a hologram. I hope that she doesn't actually appear. I hope it's just a hologram, you know. Yeah, I mean, she is still young at this point. This is fi- this first season is five years out from the actual um, from the actual events of A New Hope, um, and I hope that the show continues on more than five seasons because I think there's so much they can do that and go yeah. into like the backstory of the films. Um, I think she uh, well, at least I'm hoping they at least reference her in an off-screen manner. Like, uh, Leia Organa is doing something with the Rebels, or that she's going up in the ranks, or maybe, I don't know, um, Kanan knows her, or, uh, Hi- um, Hera knows her, something like that. I think there needs yeah. to be some sort of tie-in. And Okay, so this is, this is five years before A New Hope, you're saying? Yes. Okay. When did The Force Unleashed take place? That was before A New Hope. It is okay. now legendary. It's no longer canon. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, that's what I heard too. Let me double check that. Yeah, I'm I'm almost positive it's no longer canon because you and you won't even have him as Vader's apprentice. But what oh, doesn't make sense is like they ha- don't they have it in is it that game or is it another Star Wars game? I'm mixing up my games right now and I feel terrible that they actually introduce the Rebel Alliance symbol and I know that no he uh, it, it was that, his symbol. that was that was yeah, it that wasn't was that one. okay. And Princess Leia was in the very first game. And yeah. they made a reference to that in the show, like how, um, oh my god, what's her name? Oh, wow, I'm terrible at names, I'm great at faces. Uh, the Sabine, that's it, oh my gosh. Sabine is girl. actually drawing, I love her, I think she's a great character. I love how her, yeah, she, she's awesome. She draws the phoenix all over the place. Yeah. And it looks like an actual phoenix, like that is a refer- direct reference to the Force Unleashed symbol. And then, of course, it forms into what it, it is modernly as the Rebel Alliance symbol without, like, a phoenix sort of look. And it has, like, two tops, and it looks more like a, an upside-down whale tail. Uh, well, didn't they say that this cartoon series is supposed to be tying in, or we're going to see elements from the series in The Force Unleashed? Yes. 
as well as in the new Star Wars Battlefront, there will be tie-ins and a special DLC that will tie in directly into The Force Unleashed, which is why people are going to be clamoring to get that game, and you're not going to be able to get it unless you pre-order it. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be painful. <laughs> I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> we got to get you a system. I know. Right. <laughs> I'll be watching the Let's Plays, so I'll upload those quickly. <laughs> As I weep in the corner, eating ice cream and drinking blue milk, like <laughs> you, go, you go watch my stream. <laughs> I will tie in. Um, that seems to be how it's going to happen. So, what do you think they're going to? Since we're talking about Episode Seven, we don't know much. We we know what little bit Lucas is allowing us to know, or I shouldn't say Lucas anymore. I should say Disney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think Rebels is going to tie into? Uh, the seventh film. I don't know how much they're going to tie directly into the seventh film, but I bet there's going to be introductions of characters and things and maybe elements um, that will be in episode seven. I would not be surprised if Lawson makes an appearance in episode seven. It seems like a very interesting planet to continue on. It's plains instead of the boring deserts of Tatooine, which we've seen far too much of, in my opinion. Um, Maybe there'll be like, would be cool to have like a statue of somebody in like a, a, a temple or something. Um, I mean, Kanan is, you know, at this moment still alive. So is Ezra, which means that there's other Jedi's out there or Padawans and stuff. So it would be, it would be good to have at least a reference to the fact that Luke is sensing that there are other force sensitive people. It doesn't make sense that in, that Luke would be completely like, I am alone in the universe. There is no one else like me when there's clearly force wielding people, especially when they're taking such a big, um, they're so outward in showing their powers as well as like wielding them. Like they're part of the rebel Alliance in that sense. Well, one of the rumors is that the inquisitors is going to be playing like a big part in the film. Yeah. That have you seen the star Wars rebels finale? I, I read about it. I have not got to watch it yet. Okay. Yeah, spoiler. Go ahead. I'm not going Go to say it. <laughs> I don't want to say it. Who is there? By all means. Okay, the Inquisitor is no longer with us in the season, after the season finale. Well, but, but, but for his the race, record, right? you never there are Inquisitors, but not that same Inquisitor. You never see the Inquisitor die. They okay, confirmed so. he's dead. I can tell you now that, like, they confirmed he is dead in an interview <laughs> by IGN. He is one. 100% dead. They said that if this was Clone Wars, they would have showed him falling off of the platform onto a spire, and you would have seen it stab through his body, but obviously we can't do that because it's Disney. He is yeah. dead. Dead, dead. <laughs> Not like <laughs> Oliver Queen dead. Like, actually dead. Did they show little, like, skulls in his eyes, like Gaston? No, but the, the whole thing was, like, exploding and stuff. Like, he, he's Yeah, dead. He, 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 he should be dead. This is, there's no Darth Maul version of this where he comes back from two pieces. That made me so mad. <laughs> like, no, yeah. he's cut in half. Like, science and biology doesn't work that way. We don't know how well, it works. Well, and, the, and, and that's where the mysticism comes in, that you could be preserved by just hate. <laughs> hate kept him alive. What about the Metaclorians? Oh, we I don't mention those. So. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk about that. First rule of Fight Club, we don't talk about Metaclorians. Metaclorians were probably one 
one of the more fascinating aspects, not because of what they actually were, but how they tied into the entire story. Um, obviously, you know, in the original series, they talked about the forest as a very mystic sort of like fantastical element. And then why a lot of reasons why people don't like the Phantom Menace is they made the Metachlorians very sciencey. So um, you have this science fiction element in encroaching on a science fantasy film. Now, what I would say is that the science of it actually was symbolic of the fact that after Order 66 was executed, there was a loss of all this knowledge. Kanan was very, very young. He was like, what, 14 when it happened? So he didn't understand how Metachlorians work. And uh, then Kenobi didn't get to teach Luke everything he needed to. Same with Yoda. So there's this loss of of science and knowledge that came with Order 66, which is why the Force seems so mystical in the first place. And I think the science element of that really like established that really well. And I guess I've never heard it presented that way. So I I, uh, I will I will. You have a new take, Steve. I have a new take on it. I have a new take on it. New appreciation. I'm not saying I like it any better. Appreciation for midichlorians. I have a. And for Jar Jar. Had you, if anybody read my article on uh, on Parasite Eve, there is a <laughs> nice plug. There is a, a a reference to the midichlorians and the mitochondria that that Lucas has actually said that he he actually confessed that that's kind of loosely what he based the idea of midichlorians on. The mitochondria that's in, you know, the, the, our uh, our cells uh, that are used for metabolic respiration and and, and uh, stuff like that. So I can see a relationship and a science relationship. And I guess if, but I just can't give Lucas that much credit because there are so many things that he did wrong that to come up with the right idea just seems like it, maybe it wasn't his idea. So I just feel like that couldn't, that may not have been him. That that. Uh, I mean- up with that, but mitochondria, mitochondrion—they both sound very similar. As well as yeah, uh, the mitochondria is like an organism itself within our cells. So it, yeah, no, I it see that. It makes sense, and that's kind of what that parasite—the parallel there, because that now that that organism decided it wanted to do its own thing, it started mutating people in that particular video game. Well, in, in the Star Wars universe, it actually is the source of the Force. But where it goes wrong is when you go back to the original trilogy and you hear Yoda talking about the Force being in that rock and being in the stream and being in all things. and All living all things. Living, well, he said it's in the rock as well. Well, a rock could be alive. Yeah, well, he, I think... I have a pet rock. I think the... the yeah, yeah, pet rock. Yeah, it is. My stuffed animals are alive. When I was a what kid, what was it on a Family Guy where he has a pet rock that keeps peeing on the carpet? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, and, and I guess there's there's always going to be those um, inconsistencies between the first trilogy or the the uh, prequels and the original trilogy, and so I'm not going to nitpick those. They've already been nitpicked by people who are better at it than than I am. Um, Yours truly. Yeah. I, I picked the crap out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and the red letter media guys, I mean, they have, they've given, they've taught classes on, it, you know, so, um, so, you know, I think that they're, they're going to do it right. JJ Abrams is a huge Star Wars fan. First and foremost, he's a fan. And so they, I think it's in good hands and I'm looking forward to episode seven. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad we don't know any more than we do. 
you know. So uh, I wish we had at least a little bit more in a press release. Uh, yeah. Press release at this point, we are getting very close to that first film. It it, it seems a little. I mean, it's very Star Warsy to not know anything. I mean, Blue Harvest. Um, yeah, yeah. But it would be, I think, a little bit more appreciating towards the fans and a little bit more considerate to give more teases than they are. I mean, J.J. Abrams did a very clever campaign on Twitter writing these little note cards and then in the background, sort of like a little blurry, just a little out of focus, of different things that would be part of the film. So they had everything from, you know, the lights that were used in the the hallways of the Death Star to um, the table that was in the Millennium Falcon that that he released right after that person got the chess table. Brilliant idea. He handled the the fans in that way. So well, and I really loved it. I loved following him and seeing all the pictures. I loved... You know, how everything just worked out really well in that sense. And now it's just very quiet, and it feels yeah. off. Well, I, uh, yeah, I agree. But I think that means that's the calm before the storm. Something's about that. Something will come soon. So, um, let, let me ask you one more question about the tie-ins between the Star Wars Rebels and um, Episode Seven. So, we all know they cast um, Adam Driver as one of the characters in Star Wars 7, and I think we're all pretty much under the assumption that he's going to be playing a villain. Would you all agree, disagree? Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. Uh, the Ezra character in Star Wars Rebels, to me, seems to me like he is probably going to be going down a dark path at some point, and he almost looks like Adam Driver, a young version, animated version of him, in my personal opinion. Adam Driver looking like Ezra, I'm going to have to say I think they're going to be different characters. One, because Ezra's eyes are distinctly, like, violently blue, and Adam Driver's are, eyes are very brown. I know that's yeah, but they can shallow, wear contacts. I know the shallow thing to go off of, but I, <laughs> I just can't imagine him being Ezra. I mean, Ezra has shown super, super dark tendencies. They saw that in the mid-season finale, and also in the episode where he, um, the episode that came back after the mid-season finale. Ezra is, he has some very violent tendencies that are reminiscent of Anakin Skywalker that they demonstrated in in episode two. But it, there were times that it felt like it didn't fit, especially since we don't really know too much about, yeah. I mean, we know about his backstory, but it's hard to like relate that directly, the anger that he feels. He's so young and so angry. Like, I wasn't that angry when I was 14. I didn't have that much pent-up rage. But at the same time, he's very passionate about helping everyone. He makes that very clear. That is his main motivating factor. Is he going to go to the dark side? No. Can he go dark side? Yes. And I think that's well, going to be see, the powerful motor. It's going to be very Gryffindory, like that is very, very, very good confidence to have in a show. You're like first season in. You're like, nah, he's not going to be dark. They're going to go that I, route. I, I hope it's, that they don't because that is they've done that. They've already done that. They've already done that with Anakin. They did that. They started to do it with Luke. You know, Luke had that opportunity to go dark and didn't. And and I I, I feel like there's just so much more they could do with this character if you played. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Did, did either one of you guys play that game? I played the first one. Okay, the I first one. There was a there was a fantastic character called uh, named Jolie Bindo. Do you remember him? Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. Jolie was like one of the last characters that you get. He was a, uh, you don't really, you know he's force sensitive, um, but, uh, and he's an old former Jedi, you find out. But he actually is one of the most complicated characters, I think, that, that Star Wars and, and the powers that he ever wrote. Because he was one of the first that you ever heard of that walked away from the Jedi Order. And he's like, I, he left for a woman. And he was in love. And he's like, you know what? And he had dark in him. You know, he had dark tendencies. He realized that there were two sides to it and that maybe the Jedi way wasn't the answer, that that there needed to be a greater balance. Instead of just repressing the fact that you love people and the fact that you have these other things, that it's okay to love people. It's okay to have a wife and have a family and, and things like that. And so, um, which they touch on later in the expanded universe with Luke when he gets married to... Mara and, and they have children and you know Ben. It's just all been wiped. I know, I know, but but I think they're they're going to draw from some of that. So I originally thought that Adam Driver might be one of the Solo's children. Um, I think he's going to be one of the kids. I think he's going to be one of the. He, he may be a, or he's either going to be a kid or he's going to be an official like a. <laughs> which goes back to what Allison was saying. He's either going to be good or he's going to be bad. He's either going to be one of the kids of one of the main characters, or he's going to be like a moth, or like somebody. He might be good. He might be bad. Yeah. So I think it'd you know. be kind of fun to see him sort of as a. Um, I would like to see him as a mercenary character. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. Someone in the middle. I would love to see. Him. I want them to have a little bit more neutral characters, like Han. That's why Han was so great because he was he was totally in the middle of that. Everything you had Luke, who was like super good, and then you had like. Um, Darth Vader, who was super bad, and then you have, you know, him, he was kind of just going along for the ride for the most of it, and he really, his entire path was just chosen based on who he met, and then eventually, yeah. you know, he realized, I like my friends, I'm going to stick by my friends. Yeah. He wasn't ever for, you know, Rebel Alliance, he was, he was just kind of in the middle. Um, can I go back to what we were talking about, like, the, the love thing? Um, yeah. So... I just got this book. It's been around for a while. It's called um, The Jedi Path. Uh, they have a Sith Path version of this, which I'm going to be hopefully getting soon. And actually, in it, the first two pages, um, and they have these little annotations by different Star Wars characters. They have Qui-Gon Jinn. They have Anakin. They have Yoda, Ahsoka, Luke, uh, Dooku, and uh, Darth Sidious. So it adds, it's kind of fun to see these annotations. And they have this one part where they had the, um, the discussion about there is no emotion, there is peace. And Qui-Gon actually wrote, if the living force in, engenders compassion, eventually even love, I do not feel these are a detriment despite the precepts of the code. So it says right there, basically, that there are definitely Jedi who believe in love, and that could possibly be why he didn't end up on the Jedi Council. Because, yeah. and that's kind of what happened to Anakin too. He loved too much in a yeah, and he way. let it he let it turn to hate. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the one thing about the good side that I've always. I mean, I would definitely say if I was to choose between Jedi and Sith, I would choose Jedi. Sorry, yeah. I'm a good person, I guess, in that way. But at the same time, to live life that, like, like a monk, Barton, like it, it seems almost painful. They have somebody like Obi-Wan who really fell in the middle. He had a love interest, but he didn't go too far with it. He was a very, like, happy for the most part guy who joked around a lot. 
um, and did have a lot of like compassion and love for people. Well, they um, made him. They made his character in the Clone Wars. Without the Clone Wars, I don't think you would have really gotten that from him. But I think they fleshed him out as a character so well in that cartoon. I agree. And I think that's why Star Wars really works so well as a TV show, because there's just so much in this universe. Well, it, I mean, also, it also makes Anakin, because Anakin, Anakin was, by the end of the trilogy... Uh, the prequel trilogy, you just, you didn't, I didn't believe the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. They, they said things, they alluded to things that never, that we never got to see, but I, I just never saw the friendship. I never saw, you never got to see it develop and I didn't feel it between them. But when you get to see it in the Clone Wars, you really got to see that these were two guys that, that fought side by side all the time. They really did have a brother relationship. You know, they were, they were brothers as far as, as that went, and 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 if you if you watch the Clone Wars, then you go back and watch the prequels. I think it actually brings a lot to the prequels, makes them makes them mean more. I think. I absolutely agree. I actually did a rewatch of all the Star Wars episodes because a friend of mine had never seen it before, and I'd seen the Clone Wars, and I think that definitely changed my outlook on the relationship Anakin and Obi Wan had in Episode Three, and why I felt like the dark side aspect and. Like, the hatred was a little off-putting, but almost fitting for episode three. Um, my friends didn't quite understand Anakin in the way that they flushed him out in the Clone Wars because we didn't really watch the Clone Wars at that point. But watching Anakin in episode two was, uh, I don't want to use painful. No, painful. Painful is a good word. Painful, um, a little... Over dramatic. There's um, sand and it and it gets in your shoes and it makes you. It's really sand. bad. <laughs> I like the water. <laughs> the sand is is smooth. Wow, that was a really smooth line. Poor Natalie Portman. Oh, oh god. The, the first the first hour is so brutal, and then when they're riding the prairie hippo and they fall, it's just the worst. The prairie hippo. <laughs> <laughs> having their picnic just so bad hey the costumes are pretty in that movie <laughs> like, uh, they won an award I think for the costumes but deserved uh, it <laughs> but yeah. um, what about the prairie hippos the oh, prairie hey. hippos were cute <laughs> uh, who, haven't you ever wanted to ride a prairie hippo <laughs> I've never wanted to stand and surf one I don't know I don't know you know Whatever. there were just there were attack the clones I know I'm going to hate about this. It was not my favorite Star Wars movie. I did not. I thought that was probably the weakest of all the prequels. It was. It, the first and third one, I think, had so much more. The, the second one is so hard. It, it, it's like it's like having an upper body and lower body and just being completely disconnected. It's just them, them not being connected. So, Phantom uh, Menace just had so many layers. It had political intrigue. It had flushing out of the Jedi uh, path. There was just so much in the Phantom Menace, and people forget that. Yeah, and there are some things about all, in every one of the Star Wars movies that are like, eh. But I thought that Attack of the Clones just they had this philosophy of tell and not show. So they just had repetitions of lines like Anakin saying that Obi-Wan is holding him back, which obviously is foreshadowing to, you know, the rise of Darth Vader, which we all saw coming. Um, it was just really a matter of how we were going to get to that point. It just, thank God for the Clone Wars. Really, thank God for the Clone yeah. Wars. Because 
Attack of the Clones needed the pick me up. They needed Ahsoka also. Oh, I they love did. Ahsoka. Yeah, the whole thing was yeah, and we're about to, we're gonna move on and talk to, about her in just a second. But uh, but this lastly, just saying that you know the the clone or the um, Attack of the Clones or I would say all three of the prequels, they would use hallways and couches for exposition dialogue, and that was it. It was like, we're going to sit down to talk, and then we're going to go back to an action scene. And now we're going to walk down a hallway to talk and to tell you what's happening, and then we're going to go back to an action scene. So, yeah, you're right. Without the Clone Wars, the the prequels were irredeemable. With them, it makes them make so much more sense. So. And there were Mandalorians, which I love. I love the Mandalorians. More Mandalorians. I wouldn't say the prequels were irredeemable. It's just they needed probably a little bit more tweaking of dialogue to make it more, uh, like, less, you know, full explanation of things. Because that's not, I would expect, how people to talk in their universe. Um, It was very, like, loquacious and, and very, like, very long, long time ago. Yeah. Definitely long, long time ago. E. That's really the only from a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Um, and I think that's also what they're getting right in Star's Rebels because they have, and also in the Clone Wars, they have a short amount of time, so they have to do a short amount of dialogue. They have to get from point A to point B, and they don't know when if they're going to get picked up again, which thankfully they keep getting picked up. Yeah. Um, so they're able to synthesize things better. And there's not these long periods of, you know, cut scene and action scene. It felt like it was playing out almost like a video game film, you know, like Prince of Persia, uh, which I liked. But Only we can't go back in time and fix the <laughs> crappy things. No, but we can still appreciate the films for what they could have been and also what they are. I still think that the prequels are a, a great testament about how the universe used to be in retrospect of how the problems were in the the original trilogy. Yes, they reflected a lot of things and a lot of complexities of the universe that was about to fall into war. And I think a lot of that, you know, almost like Renaissance time era that the, the films were set in, the prequels, I mean, really showed like how much the war damaged these people. It's like looking at, you know, the Renaissance and then at, at like a war t- World War II sort of format of the trilogies, and I thought that was when you look at it like that, I think it has a little bit more meaning. Well, and I think if that's the case too, then then we need to go to Lothal and some of these other planets, and it needs to be World War II Europe. You know, you, you, we need to see the decimation and the, see the destruction that it had and the effect, and and uh, and then I think that that will that will kind of translate. It will it'll you'll get to see the effects instead of them just talking about it. And that's, Do you think yeah. we're actually going to see that in the, I don't know. these films? I think question. we are. This is going to be 30 years later. I mean, rebuilding, they should have already been able to rebuild and move on with themselves. I would like to see some of the comic books coming out as well as some of the uh, the novels that are coming out to fill in those gaps. Because um, I mean, they just had Princess Leia 1, I think, released, which was the first comic book. Um, yeah. I think it's set right after the events of um, Episode 6. Well, uh, Allison, that's a really good point, which brings us to our second segment. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, they've just released a, a list of books. Uh, we've got three comic books that I know of that have been released, filling in the gaps. And, uh, and and some other news uh, as well. So 
what do you know about what do you what do you know about this new? I haven't read the Princess Leia comic. I have read the other two, Darth Vader and Star Wars. I haven't had any time to read it, unfortunately, and I really, really want to read the Princess Leia comics. I've seen the uh, cover variants of it, and the art is fabulous. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it looks like I. If there's one thing Disney, I think, learned from Marvel, especially with some of these new comic books that have been coming out, it's that is how to write a good comic. Um, there's some really good comics that have been coming out of Marvel Disney partnership lately, and uh, hopefully I'll get my hands on a Princess Leia comic and I'll get back to you on that. Um, I haven't read any of the novels either. I, um, I need to do some more research on that actually because uh, summer's coming up and I would love some reading to do. Yeah, well, Mar- I know March third. Uh, I'm not sure. I need to go back and look to to find out for sure. But I think March third uh, was one of the new uh, one of the new novels was released. I know there's a re- there's a novel about uh, Ma- Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, I haven't read it yet either. I was waiting to buy because I wanted to make sure that whichever ones I was buying was actually canon. So. Uh, I didn't want to read anything else that I was like, well, is this gonna, is this part of it or not? So, but I have read the the other two comics. Now the Star Wars, have you read them, Daniel? Any of the Star Wars comics? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, the I don't think this is spoiler territory, but just in case, I'm just going to hit the high notes of it, um, and not not spoil the whole thing. But basically, the Star Wars comic is taking place um, after uh, between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, and and Luke is not quite a uh, a Jedi yet, uh, not a full Jedi anyway. He still is. He he carries a lightsaber and he has a blaster and and um, they are kind of in the full swing of being rebels. So Han Solo's on board, but he's he's still uh, him and Jabba are still kind of at odds. So that that whole storyline hasn't played out yet. So he hasn't been frozen in carbonite. So it's between uh, I guess it's between A New Hope and uh, Empire Strikes Back. That sounds more realistic. Yeah, Empire's I think it is. Okay. Yeah, so it's between those two, and um, so in Star Wars you have this storyline where they're they're still kind of making strategic strikes, and you're hearing about the background rebel stuff. Um, but in the in the other comic book, because I haven't read Princess Leia, but in the other comic book you have Darth Vader, and what you what you're learning in Darth Vader is there's overlap between the Star Wars comic and Darth Vader because you see Darth Vader coming into the into the picture with the rebels uh it's before you know the reveal that it's his father obviously so um they just know that Darth Vader's kind of like the big general you know that's going around and and they bring him in just like they did in Star Wars Rebels when stuff is needs to be fixed they're like we need to get this fixed and we're not messing around anymore we bring in Darth Vader and uh so Darth Vader shows up and um, in the Star Wars comic, well, if you read the Darth Vader comic, you see what's going on behind the scenes with him. And what you find out is that after the first Death Star was destroyed, the Emperor no longer really trusts Darth Vader. And you start getting the sense that Palpatine is looking for a new, a new apprentice. So... That's kind of what's going on, and and with that, you also get the idea that Darth Vader is is looking for an apprentice. So you have this dynamic between Palpatine and and Vader, where they're obviously kind of working in the background against one another, and then you see they're still pushing Vader out there to be uh, the general of of the Empire and uh, to kind of 
regulate things. So it's it's they've been very good comics so far. I've read the first three Star Wars. I think it's the third one. They're on the third one now. And the first two uh, Darth Vader's both have been pretty good. So. All right, we'll be keeping eyes out for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the books I know that they're just starting. There's 20 so far that they that they've listed and as far as names, and I guess they're getting stories together. Uh, and and I guess as we start to read those, maybe we'll we'll talk about them at future during future podcasts. Yeah, there's a couple titles that's been uh, announced. Um, there's a novel called Star Wars Aftermath, which Judging by the title, it sounds like it might be taking place right after uh, Episode 6, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it sounds like it'll uh, be leading up to the film. Then there's Star Wars The Journey to the Force Awakens, which is going to be the Marvel Comics prequel. Oh, I stand corrected. And I believe that was announced officially yesterday, on Friday. Um, then there was a Marvel Comics prequel told from C-3PO's perspective, which I think would be really interesting to read. Oh, I want that. Um, <laughs> Star Wars through the droid's perspective, because originally that's how George Lucas used to describe the original trilogy, that it was really supposed to be between, you know, the first movie especially, was supposed to be Star Wars from their perspective. So it'd be kind of interesting to see C-3PO's perspective on the whole Star Wars universe. Um, then there's a couple other books. There's Moving Target, A Princess Leia Story, uh, The Weapon of a Jedi, A Luke Skywalker Story, Lost Stars... A Smuggler's Run by a Han Solo story, and then there's like a, a guide book called Ships of the Galaxy. So those are some of the books that's been announced so far. What about Heir to the Jedi? Have y'all heard about that one? Heir to the Jedi? No, I have not. Heir to the Jedi is the one. I was trying to find it online. It's the one that was just recently released, and this is the this is supposed to be set between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Um, and I, I'm just reading the synopsis. Uh, there are some new characters they're releasing. Uh, Princess Leia's in it. Admiral Akbar's in it. Um, there's a. I'll, I won't read the. Are you sure it isn't a trap? <laughs> Boom. But is it canon? It's supposed to be released March 3rd. Um, oh, okay. So it's, it is a new one. It yeah. will be canon then. Yeah. What? I love having things that actually say it's canon when now it's, I'm still guessing on things. Like I have all this information in my brain that I can't tell if it's actually canon anymore. And I, I, I feel know. like a big jumbled up mess sometimes. Yeah, I'm not the I, only one I, who feels crazy, right? No, no, no. I mean, like I, I read one of my favorite uh, series of books was the three, the backstory to Han Solo that was written. I think it was written in the early nineties. I didn't read it until about six or seven years ago, but, um, there, it's it's the there's three books and it talk it talks about uh, Han Solo's origin. It talks about how he and 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 Chewbacca got together, their real story, um, and how Chewbacca has a life debt to to Han. And then it talks about because you know that's the whole Wookiee thing. And then in the third book, it talks about how he gets the Millennium Falcon, or second and third book, how he gets it, his interaction with uh, Lando and and um, and just his relationship in the galaxy with Boba Fett, how that, that dynamic and how they have this mutual healthy respect for one another. They don't like each other, but they have a respect for one another. Um, it was a really good book and gone, done, not, not a part of it anymore, you know? What about, uh, Shadows of the Empire? Not, that's, uh, Thrawn? Cause that was rich. Or what? Was that Thrawn? No, Shadows of the, Shadows of the Empire was the, uh, was the the book that came out? It was during the '90s. There was a book, a game, um, music CD, all that stuff that came out. And they said that that was official canon between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It introduced Dash Rendar and the the Outlander. 
I'm oh, looking yeah. it up right now to see if it's canon. Um, there's nothing on here that says that it's not canon. Normally, um, on well, I'm on Wikipedia because everybody uses Wikipedia. Um, yeah, there's I'm normally on it too. Le- oh wait, it's part of Legends. So it's yeah. Hang on, so it's let me not, edit it real fast. So it says it's not. It's EU. It's expanded universe. Um, now, see, that's that's jacked up because back in the day when that thing first came out, they kept saying that that was canon. Yeah, well, it probably was up until about two or three years ago. So. And and uh, I know that I know that uh, Darth Bane is, but I don't know if his books were. I don't know if they kept his books. I know Any, anything that was from the Clone Wars, I believe, like the the Clone Wars, not Clone Wars, is canon. I thought. Yeah, well, his, his character is because I mean he appears he appears in in uh, you know that last season of Clone Wars, but his two books, I don't know if they're if they're keeping his books in the story. Of the rule of two, I think they are keeping at least parts of it, because he's the one that established the rule of two for the Sith, and um, and you know that's they before that it was kind of like there was all this backbiting and everything, and, and the Sith just used to kill each other and there was no rhyme or reason, but he established the the rule of two that you have always one master and one apprentice, and um, and so uh, you know I guess that's that's the part that they're keeping. But, that's the only ones that I know of for sure. Yeah, also on Darth Bane's Wikipedia page, it does have the uh, the Legends tab, um, and they also have a Canon tab. Um, Interesting, yeah. So it looks like the only Canon stuff is anything from the Clone Wars, and everything else is not. Yeah. So I-, I think the Rule of Two... Um, can be applied almost arbitrarily, almost uh, not explicitly, because that's sort of the, what's been going on. Because didn't Yoda say, like, there can only be two? I don't think they need to say specifically, oh, we can cite Darth Bane in yeah. blah, 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 for uh, in citation, you know, 646, the rule of two. I, yeah. I don't think that's necessary. Well, so, but you know, this was hundreds of years. I get. I think it was. I think Darth Bane's books were hundreds of years before, or at least a hundred years or whatever, before, uh, before uh, A New Hope, or I mean, I'm sorry, before Episode One. And um, so, I mean, I guess that it had to be hundreds because that's why Yoda would have said that. I, I know that they would probably never cite him. I think that's why they wrote it in. Um, but. Even if they don't ever give credit to Darth Bane, I mean, there there would be no other reason to bring him in, you know, unless it was just fan service, bring in Darth Bane. Because if you read those books, did did either of you all get to read those books, the Darth Bane books? They're really good. No. I really um, didn't read a lot of the the expanded universe stuff. Really, all the information I got was through online format. Yeah. See, and I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the only books that I read was the Thrawn series and Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. And now I'm sad about Shadows of the Empire. Well, the, the, I think you would really like, if, if you, it's, one, one reason I really like it is because it's told from the, the, it's told from the perspective of, I guess, a Sith Lord. But, I, maybe, maybe it says a lot about me, probably also because I never played a Jedi on, on, uh, KOTOR, but, I was always shame on you. I know. <laughs> wow, that's um, sad. But but I also wasn't just an all powerful Sith. I I was I always rode the line. I was gray, and which hurt me in Kotor because you had to be either really evil or really good to get all the powers. Um, and uh, some things that I just 
couldn't do. But Darth Bane plays, he's, he's a very realistic, you kind of understand his motivations, why he is the way he is. And he's just, he's just a badass. Um, in the, in his, in the way that he, he goes about his powers. I mean, he's, he doesn't even want to be a Sith Lord. He just happens to be better than all of them at everything. And he's also very strong and he's larger than all of them. And so he, he, he grows up in this mine and, and, you know, he's forced to work and, and because of that, he develops these certain skills, but he's also a force sensitive. So it's a good, it's a good book. And, and, uh, a lot, it explains a lot more about the Sith that, uh, you know, that they talk about in the movies, but they don't really go into detail. So. But. If you're really more interested in, you know, seeing what is canon with Darth Bane, he was featured in an episode with Yoda when he when yes. Yoda went to the planet Moribant, and he actually did state outright, created the rule of two you did. Okay, I that's do what remember I that. Yeah. Uh, I believe that was season three. I, um, I, and was he was like a, a, a spirit monster I think. Yeah, well he wasn't even a, he wasn't even actually there. It was just like a, a force illusion or something, an illusion. And so that's and that's what Yoda says. He's like, You're not real and then that's when he disappears. You have no power here. Something like that. Go something back nerdy. to the kingdom you came from. Exit via <laughs> bucket of water. <laughs> it sounds like the Wizard of Oz when you talk about it like that. Yeah, be gone. Be gone, spirit. Yoda is Glinda. That would be a very interesting fan fiction. <laughs> well, as, That'd be awesome. as far as uh, Star Wars Rebels, just wrapping this up, we I know we we uh, we've been talking for a while, but I, I wanted to touch on one more thing because we had a really good we had a really good first season of Star Wars Rebels. Yes, it was so good. I loved it. I was really surprised. Well, there were some reveals though, so we had a few kind of twists and turns within the season. So, what was the biggest? The biggest surprise to you guys during uh, this first season of Star Wars Rebels? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Ashley, it yet. I think Ashley actually, like, the hashtag Ahsoka Lives campaign, she was so adamant about I was like, they have to bring her back. There is no way they are not. And she's now going to be a reoccurring character for season two. Yeah, um, I'm excited about that. I just remember Ahsoka was so poorly received at the beginning. And then, like, as the as the Clone Wars, like, got deeper, people started to like her. I liked her from the beginning. Maybe it's because, you know, I was an adolescent teenage girl watching Star Wars and never really felt like there was representation of myself in the film. So it's nice to have... or. Yeah, it, it was nice to have somebody like her, and I think Ashley is just great. I love her; Ooh, she's snips. adorable. Oh, sniffs! I love that. She's. Uh, I'm getting well, feels right now. <laughs> I, I, oh, so many reveal. feels. My favorite, my favorite episodes from the Clone Wars. I think they're, but some of them were with the clones. Actually, they did they did a really good job of making humanizing them and giving them personalities. But there was a couple episodes with Yoda towards the end. I think maybe in season six. And then the episodes with Ahsoka, where she was, um, I think it was right before she was ostracized. And uh, it's when she's seeing all the visions. And she's seeing these visions of, of things that could be, things that might have been, things that would be, you know, had things gone differently. And do you, I don't know, do you all remember these episodes? Like seeing all of her friends die. Yeah. I was in tears. Yeah, I mean, fantastic episodes. I mean, really pull on your heartstrings and, and, and made you feel. I agree. I actually thought the very first movie, I went to the theater to watch the Clone Wars movie. 
I I wanted to cry. I hated it so much. I thought that they were I thought they were ruining Star Wars. They were making making a mockery of it. And then the season comes out and you kind of see what they were doing. You what you got to see is all these episodes out of context. There was there was no context for these episodes and so when they finally start fleshing it out and you get to see the actual story, it changed my mind and and it, I couldn't have been more happy with the way it went. And so then to continue, you know, with Ahsoka knowing that they they cut the they cut the Clone Wars short. Now we get we get to see kind of what happens, or at least we see an adult Ahsoka. So there's a story there from where she came from. You know, where what what happened to her during that time between when she was ostracized and or exiled, and now. You know, I, I'm I'm anxious to get to see where this goes. So. I really Definitely. hope she and Kanan become friends. Like, I want to see some Jedi buddy buddy stuff. Like, <laughs> like bring that back. That's that stuff is the good stuff. Like the just happiness. a little bit that you saw her. I don't think she's going to have that type of personality. No, I think I she's going to be more of a serious type character. I agree. Kanan was much younger during Order sixty six. First of all, I think that Ahsoka leaving the Order instead of killing her off was the smartest move that they can make, and I was worried about that from the start when the Clone Wars. Um, so back to my point. Um, I think Kanan is a little bit more of a loose cannon because he was missing that guiding role. Ahsoka did have far more training, and you know, Anakin. Was, was kind of strict, but ah- Ahsoka did have that, you know, wandering spirit kind of like um, action girl sort of capability. Kanan is sort of just all over the place in his training with Ezra. Like, he has so much more doubt than Ahsoka, I think, ever had in herself. I, most of the time, Kanan, he even said at one point, I'm more afraid of my own capabilities as a teacher than I am of Ezra as my student. And I thought that that was like that hit me in the heart. I loved that. I loved how Kanan's just filled with doubt. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Ahsoka plays off with him because I think he needs somebody like that in order for him to progress as a Jedi teacher. She needs to tell him you're going to do fine. It just knocks yeah. sense to him. <laughs> it was definitely like a huge reveal. No, yeah, physically, definitely. <laughs> to know, I think for Kanan to know now that. Maybe he's not alone. You know, he's not alone. He, he he finds out in one of the episodes, just hearing Yoda's voice, that his disembodied voice, that maybe there's more out there, that it's not just him. He he assumes that there are, but he doesn't know for sure. And um, you know, and that's the first that's the first concrete evidence that yes, there are other Jedi out there. And so, I think that that's going to help his confidence. Do you believe that Ahsoka is still going to be a Jedi in the series, or do you think she is uh, maybe taking a different path? Not, I'm not trying to say she's dark or anything, but I'm saying kind of more of like a not quite the Jedi path. Okay, I have something really, to say, really exciting to say about that. So uh, this past week, Topps created their new Star Wars card trading app, which has been fantastic, and I love it. Um, and they have in it that you have to pick a faction, which would be where in the Star Wars universe you want to just say you're from, you know, like uh, Rebel Alliance or... Uh, the Empire, and they also have it through all of them. And they also have a category called Independent. And within that Independent category, they have something called, they have a class called Rogue Jedi. That would be Jedis that don't necessarily fall into the the light side and the dark side. So I think Ahsoka's going to fall into this category. Yeah, I would agree. I think. It's, What's that game called? Um, 
Star Wars Card Trader. It's available. Uh, I know it's definitely on iOS, uh, so iPhones. I don't know about Android. I'm pretty sure it's also available on Android. Uh, you get a free pack of cards, or you get a free card a day. It is not. <laughs> that's it's not on Android. That's yeah. I see it. That's like it's not. <laughs> uh, sorry. Okay, so if you have an iOS device, um, definitely get it. You get a free pack of cards, and it's yes, it's just basically like the you know the old Star Wars card trading things. So you can get like a red Han Solo and a blue Han Solo, which is a little frustrating. But they also have the new um, Star Wars Episode Seven cards, including you know the the card with Kylo Ren and. Um, some of the other characters, including the uh, the famous stormtrooper looking out into the distance in the middle of Tatooine. <laughs> um, so it's a fun one to play with. There's a little bit of like a multimedia aspect when you first get the card. Um, but I think that, uh, I mean, woof, back to Ahsoka Tano, I think she's still going to, she can't not fight who she is. She is still, you know, well, Padawan Jedi. She has a lot of strength in the force. She's, she just can't fight who she is. And I think it would be a disservice to her character to not at least have her still utilizing the Force to its full ability. Yeah. She's fought a bunch of people. I mean, she's fought the, the best. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, she could, she could hold her own when she was younger. I have no doubt that she's probably every bit, if not more powerful now. So. I think the only difference we're going to see in her character is the scars that came out of um, finding out about Order 66, being alone in the universe for so long. And also, I would love for them to talk a little bit about how she feels about the the fall of her master. Well, do you think yet. they'll ever, you think she'll ever run into Darth? Yeah, that was going to be my next thing. I thought, uh, one thing I always wanted to see in the Clone Wars was her basically die to death at the hands of Anakin, because that'd be kind of a, a cool little twist to that story there. I think we could still actually have that happen. I don't want to see that. I really don't want to see that. I've been afraid of that from the beginning. I really don't want to see that. Since now we know at the end of... Okay, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the Star Wars Rebels Alliance. We're way If you're still still here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Darth Vader will be a major big bad in season two, which will be super, super fun. Will he still be voiced by uh, James Earl Jones? I hope so. I believe so. I would not say no otherwise. He did voice Vader for the very few amount of times in the past several episodes, as well as in, um, I think there was a short or something on the internet, or at least in the trailer. Um, I think James Earl Jones is still going to be around, which will be really good, because you need to have that voice. Um, Do I think Ahsoka and Darth Vader are going to meet? At this point, anything can go. Obviously, they couldn't really have too much go on between Ahsoka and Anakin in that sense in the Clone Wars because they couldn't get that far into the story. Um, but, but couldn't you imagine, couldn't you guys imagine Darth saying, you know, I haven't felt this, I haven't felt this feeling or this sensation since, you know, just like he did the parallel, just like he did when he saw Obi-Wan, you know, he's like, I, I, I feel, I have a feeling that I haven't felt in so, so long or whatever. I could see him saying that. I could see him being on a on a ship and Ahsoka being on another ship and him sensing her and saying, "I sense a presence I haven't yeah. felt since," and then turn around and walk away. Yeah, I, 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 I brutally, <laughs> I brutally jacked up that whole quote. But yes, that. I would love to see that, but at the same time, I really don't want to see 
Ahsoka died. She's kind of this character that I feel like is such a fan favorite and is just so important to so many people, especially me. I, um, I think it would be. I think it'd be it even would be more terrible if you don't kill her. I I think that would just be a, a little harsh. Uh, it ha if they do kill her, it has to be in the most respectful like. Ahsoka Tana way. It's got to have like her little snippiness as well as her as the wisdom she's probably gained through the years. I, but I, I just can't imagine her dying. Yeah. At least not in next season. Maybe a couple seasons down the line. Yeah, it, won't, it probably won't be next season. But I, I, I just I, I want and I know y'all don't want to, but if she's going to die, I want to see her die by the hands of Anakin because I think that'll be an interesting story. Yeah. I feel like if. Anakin did come across Ahsoka again. I feel like she would she would have more of an effect on him than Luke. You know, that's what I would expect. Well, because he 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 had such a relationship with her, he never even met Luke, really. You know, so the just the I think that yeah, that, that's why I think it would be just as powerful if he never even crossed paths with her. If like they both just sensed one another. And and Ahsoka's like, there's no way, you know, there's no way that's him. And he's like, I I I have a I feel a presence, but he's like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna keep going. And so it leaves so much to the imagination; they can just keep going. But it's a nod to the fans; they at least acknowledge that, hey, yes, we sense one another, and then they can keep going with the story. I agree, and even like, they can even go so far as Vader to be actually like verbally conscious of his decision. Maybe he senses that Ahsoka is on a ship and he chooses not to attack that particular ship. And yeah. uh, when he's in his tie fighter, yeah. um, I think that would be probably the most powerful piece. Cause that would demonstrate his humanity, which ties into how he, he's supposed to like be this robotic, like unfeeling character. Yet he shows a tremendous amount of sympathy towards Luke. And also he like acknowledges that the rebels are forced to be reckoned with. Um, a robot wouldn't do something like that. They would see it as systematic. So it would be good to see like that slight little change because I, I think that needs to be demonstrated. But I'm really looking forward to just seeing Darth Vader being like super cold and badass in next season. Like I just want to see like ruthless Darth Vader. <laughs> well, the, if you you should check out y'all should check out the comic book if you get a chance because I mean that's all he is is just a badass the whole time. So. And, and I mean, Vader hunted. You know, they they make in Obi Wan makes the reference. Vader helped hunt down and destroy the Jedi. I want to actually see this. Yeah, I, I want to actually see it. him take out the Jedi. I don't know how far they're going to go because this is Disney. It's on Disney XD. But I think that I mean, they've actually had some scenes this past season that I'm like, this is not a children's show. They've had you know like torture <laughs> scenes, and I, I cannot believe this is on TV. I actually like texted my sister in all caps, like screaming, I'm like this is not appropriate. They've had hints of I think um, executions and and yeah. like the torch. I mean, the torture scenes with Cannon were handled very nicely, but like they've had some really messed up stuff that are, that just shocked me. But I mean, I loved it. I loved that. Well, <laughs> I was exactly. I was disappointed at first. It's like I. As soon as I saw the first stormtrooper actually get killed, I was like, okay, I can handle it. This is going to be okay. I needed to see one get killed, though, because I was like, if you're not going to have, if you're not going to have death on this particular show, then we've taken a step backwards from where the Clone Wars was. And what yeah. made it so good is that, I mean, you had key characters get killed. Maybe they got killed off camera or whatever. You didn't get to see it, 
But, I mean, that's what made that show so powerful. It was real. There were consequences. Characters that you had feelings for that disappeared. Yeah, they, I mean, and consequences to actions. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, uh, this gunfight where nobody gets hit and everybody makes it away safe. No, people people actually got hurt and people got killed, and, and that gave gravity to what was going on on the screen and, and what made the show so good. So, yeah, I know it sounds kind of morbid, hence the dark side of the force that I, that consumes me. But I needed to see I needed to see a storm stormtrooper die first before I was going to be like okay stamp of approval so far I think this is going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> but I think a couple of things that make Star Wars Rebels so unique to Clone Wars is there hasn't if you look very closely at some of the clone uh, sorry not clone troopers stormtroopers um, when they get hit or you know knocked out by some of the rebels. They try to use non-lethal action as much as possible, which I think is far more realistic. They are younger. They're not, you know, killers. Clone yeah. troopers are killers. They're trained to do that. Um, and they haven't really had a major character death besides the Inquisitor um, in the season finale, uh, which I think I, I kind of like seeing them use more like uh, spy tactics and uh, not going just for the kill, but going for let's let's knock out their communications and their devices in their helmets and knock them unconscious, uh, knock all the stormtroopers unconscious on the ship for a little bit instead of just going like guns a blazing, just kill all the stormtroopers. Um, but they have acknowledged, you know, the deaths of Ezra's parents since he is, after all, an orphan, which is a very common Disney motif, as we all know. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of good to see, like, little bits like that just to show, you know, killing isn't always the best option. It's an option, but there's other ways to go around your problems. Though they did demonstrate Kanan was definitely 100% going to kill the Inquisitor at the end of the season. By the way, he was holding his lightsabers. He just got lucky. You know? Inquisitor let yeah. go when he realized that there was nothing they can do. And he is dead. And he I will said, stand by that. <laughs> and, and, and he said, and I'll paraphrase what the Inquisitor said, he's like, there are things worse than death. I'm going to go ahead and let go. <laughs> There's so definitely... He, he, yeah, he he was like, I, I don't want Vader coming. And that's when they reveal that Vader's coming. He's like, I'd just rather die. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to watch that episode now. It's good. But <laughs> I think good. one of the, but at the same time, they did, you know, when Ezra was fighting the, Inquis uh, the Inquisitor and then he got knocked out and then Kanan came in and he said that jaw-dropping line, now I no longer have anything to fear when he faced his fear of losing Ezra. I actually had to stop the video, walk away for a second, like bite my my like thumb to prevent myself from like just like screaming because that was just so good. I yeah. thought that was awesome because <laughs> that that was basically the summary of a Jedi Padawan relationship. And also, you know, the key characteristic of Star Wars is the death toll that comes with war and the effects of all these different people that comes from this war they are affected by this massive empire and governmental system that's totally cruel to all these people. It was just so well executed. No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> well, y'all have any final thoughts for this, uh, this uh, episode tonight? I'm really liking the new direction Star Wars is going in. I'm going to hold off on all my thoughts about what... Uh, 
all these new movies are going to be like until they come out. I'm one of those Star Wars fans. Um, I try to avoid spoilers as much as possible, but um, I'm really looking forward to it if it's going to be as good as um, we've seen the advertisements for as well as Star Wars Rebels. What about you, Daniel? Please give me a Qui-Gon Jinn spinoff film. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was probably the most interesting character to me, and besides Darth Maul. Qui-Gon was, was, Qui-Gon was the Obi-Wan that I think everybody was expecting in the prequels. He was so underused, and I would love to see a spinoff movie for him. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm ready. I like the direction Star Wars is going, and I'm... I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see the films. Yeah. I'm sure I'm going to be blown away. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm, I'm calling. I, we're going to see, I think we're going to see a trailer, Age of Ultron. Maybe online first, but definitely around that time. Yeah. I mean, we're Six still months. Age of Ultron. Six months out is usually when you start seeing the big trailers, so that's about six months out. Hey, we only got the, we only got the Age of Ultron posters like just now. I know. So, I don't know about that anymore. But Disney's big movie this year is Age of Ultron. For, I mean, for this first half of the year. So, and then their second half is going to be Star Wars. So, I think it's going to be on this movie. May the Disney gods be in our favor. Hey, they. Well, that wraps up this episode for Temple of Geek Togcast. I want to thank. Allison and Daniel for joining me on this particular episode. Stay tuned to templeofgeek.com for the next all new episode. And as always, thank you for listening. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. <laughs> Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit the templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.